special thanks to the Dramatist Guild for welcoming us into their space for today's episode. Providing the music hall at DGF for writers to use for free is one of the many ways the Dramatist Guild Fund supports writers. I encourage you all to find out more about DGF by visiting their website at www.dgfund.org or on Twitter at DGFund. This is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk with some of the savviest performers in the theater industry, hear their stories, work through and premiere a brand new original song, and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. Today's guest artist is a performer, choreographer, and director. She served as Susan Strowman's SDC Observer on Bullets Over Broadway on Broadway. Recent works include Pumped at the True Musical Voices Reading Series, Angel in My Heart at the 2014 Fresh Fruit Festival, recipient of Best New Musical, and at the York Developmental Reading Series, Day of Wrath at Nymph 2015, and Your Name on My Lips at the Theater for the New City Dream Up 2015. She is on the tap dance faculty at Paradance Capizio Center and was featured in Dance Teacher Magazine in November. I Could Never Love Anyone conceived and choreographed by my guest, is a new dance theater piece exploring the struggles of addiction. The next incarnation of this new work will be presented as part of Green Space's Take Root Initiative in February 2016. Obviously, I'm talking about Catherine Pettit. Katie, how's it going? Hi, Joel. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh my gosh, thanks for being on my show. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? It's going pretty well. Good. Yeah. Um, so you go professionally by Catherine. I do. I go by yeah. Catherine, and it's spelled with an A, like mm-hmm. Hepburn. My mm-hmm. mother wants to make sure everyone knows. It's K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. A-R-I-N-E. She wants to make sure that she didn't name me anything besides that. Um, but, but I go by Katie, yeah. like to my friends and, and fellow creatives. All my dancers call me Katie, or Kate's, or hey, you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So, Katie, we met... When did we meet? We met... Was it just last summer? I feel like it was just last summer. I don't think... It, I no. Think two summers ago? Two summers ago, ago now. last summer was no. It's and January. Then, yeah. So now we know. 2014. 2014. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the choreographers... The choreography lab. Yes. The choreography um, lab asked you to bring a tune to the table that you yeah. wanted people to put movement to for the first time yeah and so a number of different choreographers took the same musical number from my musical to helen back and they all staged it in their vision in their way i mean we got the script libretto everything yeah we knew what the story was and who the characters were meant to be but then right we could either choreograph it strictly right within those parameters or kind of just show you a little something different yeah uh, I feel like I showed you a little something different because I had it was a little different, yeah. Casey sing the the lead role like as Jack singing, mm-hmm. and then you said, "Oh wait, that was one of my Furies that was meant to be singing." Yeah. So anyway, but it was kind of different. But it was t- kind of cool, yeah. And I was you know? immediately drawn to the way you work and like the way you the way you hold yourself and the way you speak. It's all um, very exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I just I was, I was like. I think I, I like pulled you to say I was like, 
I want to talk to you. I think we should. I think we should be working together. And I was like, "Sounds great." Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Absolutely. Yeah, the tune was fantastic. Well, thank you. I loved what you did with so, it. I loved what all of the choreographers did with it. Right. So yeah. interesting but to see like everybody's in different take. But it was definitely like a okay, we're simpatico mm-hmm. as to what should be happening. Yeah. Yeah. There. So <laughs> now we're gonna rewind. And how did you how did you enter the world of performing arts? Like- oh wow! Um, let's see. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. which is very very rich in theater and dance, mm-hmm. and um, really incredible performers. Um, we had a lot of people come through from all over the world, all over the country. You know, I got to see Howard Keel perform South Pacific when I was like seven or eight years old. You know, wow. like he came through, performed that at the Muni in St. Louis. I performed at the Muni growing up as a kid and no. as a teen. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of the most incredible, and it still remains to this day, like being on that stage and looking out, it's 14,000 seats. Yeah. It's the biggest amphitheater in the world yeah. in St. Louis, Missouri. So I fell in love with musical theater and dance from a very young age. Um Started dancing at the YMCA, (laughs) ballet, tap, jazz, when I was two or three years old. And my parents came to watch me, and I wouldn't dance for them. So they said, well, she must not like this. So at the age of four, they said, let's have her do other things. At four? Yeah. At four, you were already like... I was like, I need a break. Yeah. So they put me in softball, and they soccer, and we tried all this other business. And then at the age of seven, so I had a three-year hiatus. Yeah. I was like, I need to dance again. I really would like to audition for this musical that's coming up. The Wizard of Oz was the first show that I was in. Not at the Muni, no. It was at the Kirkwood. Now it's Robert G. Rhyme Theater. It's where St. Louis, not St. Louis Rep. um, It's where Stages St. Louis performs. Um, But it was the community theater show, Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I went in and sang um, Whatever Lola Wants from Damn Yankees to audition as (laughs) an eight-year-old child for the Munchkins. And I was cast in the Lullaby League (laughs) off of my sassy pants audition. Yeah. Gwen Verdon was my idol, is my idol. Uh I mean, she's the quintessential redheaded dancing, singing genius. Yeah. So... Why wouldn't I sing that song? <laughs> and the casting people looked at me like, okay. Wow. And I feel like they did par- pull my parents aside and ask them, like, make sure I was being raised appropriately or something. But That's really funny. My grandparents showed me Damn Yankees from the time I was very little, so I just always wanted to wow. do that show. So you were, so, so you were quite the, the trollop in the Lullaby League. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My sister was in it with me, my uh, 18-month-old, younger, 18 months younger than me, sister. We've always been very, very close, and Mm -hmm. we were both in the Lullaby League. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was born in Missouri. Where? Poplar Bluff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I know St. Louis, and I know the Arch, and the Zoo, and the Muni, and we saw a production of The Wizard of Oz at the Muni when I was a kid. Yeah. And that would have been freaky if you if that's the production that you were in that i was at that yeah be, that'd be quite the coinky dink my yeah, god a little bit yeah um too bad too bad could we re-record this i feel like <laughs> <laughs> should we should rewrite history <laughs> i feel like i know i was never in the wizard of oz was emmy i feel like my sister might have been but i was uh we did godspell my brother and i did that one 
Um, we did Joseph. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did um, Singing in the Rain. And we did Meet Me in St. Louis. We did a bunch of them. You know, like, as you're growing up and, like, you're a part of the Muni kids or the mm-hmm. Muni teen. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go do the show. And there's, like, depending on what anniversary they're celebrating, there will be, like, if it's the 65th anniversary, there are 65 kids in the chorus. For the 75th anniversary of the Muni, there were 75 kids in every single course of every single show that performed that summer. Wow. It was insane. Wow. And Godspell, they put us up in like a, they did it in the circus, mm-hmm. and they put us in like the, along the back of the wow. stage in like rafters, and we would come down and like, it was crazy. It's amazing. Wow. How many kids did they put in Passion when they did Sometimes Passion? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> Probably zero. I have no idea. They don't always use the children. I was but kidding. They, they should, really the do you should a never lot. do Passion. <laughs> oh, God. They're so funny. Yeah. So, okay. So, from a very young age. Yeah. And so, at what point did, um, when did you come to New York and why? I've been in New York since 2003. Okay. So before I got here, yeah, been Whoa. here for twelve years. Congrats. I went um, as soon as I graduated from college. Um, I was actually supposed to move to Denver. I had a whole dinner theater contract, like signed, sealed, delivered, ready to start. Bought a car, everything. Whoa! It fell through, and as these things kind of do, one thing led to the next, and my dad was like we should drive out to New York and you should do some auditions out there like you want to do anyway. Right. It's and nice then dad. see what happens. So we drove the 21 hours from St. Louis to New York City. Oh, lordy. Just my dad and I kind of trading off shifts mm-hmm. through, um, wow, Pennsylvania and just across through some really difficult terrain. <laughs> and um, arrived and uh, he went back. He drove back by himself, which oh, is insane. Wow. Um, and... I guess with the purpose of coming back out to get me in a few weeks, I don't know. But I auditioned, 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 and got something right away. Like just some little children's theater or something mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. So I had moved to New York, but then they were like, okay, come to Pennsylvania, do this show. Okay. It's like, okay, great. And then that kind of just proceeded to continue. Like I got a Christmas show, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm living here. Awesome. So my mother was like sending me my winter clothes boxed up, like... Because I packed a suitcase, probably, yeah, yeah. to come to New York so, for two weeks. So then you just kind of like moved here piecemeal. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they came up and saw the Christmas show. I think I was doing the Nutcracker that um, that Christmas. And just, I lived here now. Wow. <laughs> it just, just kind of happened. I lived here now. And yeah, and so it's been, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, right, like, I guess 12 years now. Yeah. yeah. So from from Lollipop Guild yes. to living in New York, <laughs> was there a point between those two where choreography and direction entered the picture? Yeah. Well, I've always been a choreographer. Yeah? Since I was What was the first piece you choreographed when you were old? seven or eight? Um, some talent show, something. Probably to like, um, oh, what was it? C&C Music Factories. Like, Everybody dance now? Everybody dance now. Oh, uh, uh, oh. Like eight years old. And my best friend and I were like, I was like, we should do this. And we definitely wore like the big hammer pants. Um, I'm seeing and a trend did, like, in your childhood. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were <laughs> we had, like inappropriate. That's the trend. <laughs> Just like really bizarre outside of the box thinking 
that somehow worked. Um, we had a good time. Yeah. Most of the dancers that I used from a very young age were all my best friends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them did the theater with me. Oh, and of course, my sister and my brother, I would make do things with me. Right. They had no um, choice. My brother's older than me, 18 months, and like I mentioned, my sister, 18 months younger. Wow. And so we just grew up in the theater together, doing everything, dancing, mm-hmm. singing, everything. And so choreography, there was never like a point where you're like, I think I'll choreograph. It was just... No, it's part of my DNA. part and parcel, yeah. Yeah. It's just how I see the world. It's how I communicate with people. So the projects that you're cast in as a performer mm-hmm. and the projects that you pursue as a choreographer and director, okay. how do those, how have those differed so far? Um, or are they pretty similar? Gosh. Like, what are you drawn to, I guess, is the question. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely drawn to shows that are meant to be big dance shows, but I also am really interested in shows that don't necessarily, or you wouldn't think would be big dance shows. Um, a show I choreographed a few years ago for the Gallery Players in Brooklyn, uh-huh. Top of the Heap, a new musical by Jeffrey Loden and William Squire, um, had never been on its feet before. And I just put so much choreography on it because I felt like it should move in all these different places. Uh-huh. And they were just like, we never thought it could do that. Like, we didn't <laughs> think of that particular moment as like a Fosse-esque smoke across the stage here comes the dancers to back up our lead singer park and embarking moment they didn't right right but we did but as soon as i showed it to them they were like yeah oh that's great that is the way it should go yeah um and i i don't know i when i perform it's kind of in the last handful of years it's been because I'm either performing in my own pieces or because people that I've collaborated with have asked me to perform, to sing or to dance for them or with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that plays a huge part of getting your own work out there. Mm-hmm. You have to step up and put your own stuff on yourself. Yep. You know? If I you do, don't invest do. yourself, then who's going to say that's something I should invest in too? Exactly. I also really like that you, not only that you knew the writers' names, that you said their names. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's a big, you know, I, 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 strangely I find that's like the exception to the rule out there. Not, yeah, like not I fi- knowing their writers' Not knowing names. who they wrote, were the what first. Um, I before that point, I had worked on established pieces like mm-hmm. Thoroughly Modern Millie or you know um, Charlie Brown. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Like musicals that were written and put out there and then I was hired to choreograph it but I wasn't working with the writers. Right. That was the first show that I worked with the writers. Okay. So it definitely stands out for me as like a pivotal moment of going you know what I really 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 like is working on new works. And what is it about developing new work that appeals to you? Having the writer sitting there with me uh, is such an informative experience. You're just trying to collaborate you want to put your creative vision on it but you have to be so you have to work that much harder because (laughs) really because it's their baby and i understand because now self-producing my own work the last couple of years it just gives you that much more insight into what it means to 
put someone else's work up and be true to what they they have envisioned since they first put pen to paper. Right. You know? But also bring into light maybe they couldn't see what they that. hadn't thought of before because they're not dancers they're not choreographers right. no. so, you know if, if if we were able to yeah. speaking for right all the writers in the world <laughs> like, if, like if we were, were able to envision every part of it yeah we just do it but that's not collaboration no and that's you know yeah that's that's not very exciting right so yeah working with the writers is a huge and just um yeah being able to go to them and say Right, if you're working on, uh, right, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and you're like, I don't know why she makes this particular choice in her world. Okay, so let me write Janine Tesori a letter and ask her. (laughs) And, you know, like, maybe she gets back to you, and she probably does at this point. But let's talk about a musical where the writers are definitely not going to get back to you because, unfortunately, they are no longer in this realm. Yeah. So Rodgers and Hammerstein are not going to write you back. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they're not going to say well the reason that that well, dream Catherine. ballet was there okay mm-hmm. but in new works <laughs> you can say what and sometimes they go this is exactly why or sometimes it makes them go i'm not sure is that justified and then it's a conversation mm-hmm. about should that be a part of the new work because it's always evolving yeah so now you're you've got your hands in many new works is that fair to say? Over the f- past few years? Yeah. Yeah. Depend- yeah. I mean, and of course, depending on the graciousness of the writers who I have worked with asking me to continue with them or like move forward. Yeah. You know, and you never know. Uh, I mean, you and I are working together on To Hell and Back. Right. But like, when will she see the light of day for more choreography? Right. When will she see the light of day in the way that like you and I are looking at the piece? Right. Exactly. And Lori, our director. Yes. In the meantime, it's like you're doing probably we, a we lot of grunt work yourself. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. And with that piece, it's been, you know, we did a concert version of it. Yes. Uh, with Nymph this past summer, and that was really successful and taught me a lot about the piece as well. Yeah. Um, but, and that's another direction the piece can go in, but I'm still, yeah. you know, itching to see the rest of it move. Yes. Of course. Because of, <laughs> because of directors and choreographers like you. You want to, it's crazy, because... Everything starts out in this very fetal stage, and even after you've been working on it for a year, two years, um, it's still in its baby steps Mm -hmm. sort of a moment, new works in particular, because the funding is not just, okay, you know, it's not just immediately there for you. You have to work so hard to get people to pay attention, Mm -hmm. because there is so much new work, and a lot of it is fine. A lot of it is good, and there's some that's really great that you're like, can somebody please sh- send up a flare gun or something to yeah. like signify Flags that these are down. the projects that should be seeing the light of day. Right. So unless you get <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda to like sign on and like all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Then we'll see. Yeah. You know. Which is the perfect segue to talk about my next project with Lynn Manuel. <laughs> Can you imagine? I wish. Right. Um, what did you What did you learn from from Stro? Oh my goodness, Ms. Strowman, as I call her, because she says, "Call me Stro," and you're like, "But you are Susan Strowman, and I'm going to call you Ms. Strowman." And she mm-hmm. continually, we worked together for 
four months, which is a significant drop in the pan, given that most theater projects you work on maybe six weeks, two months from beginning of rehearsal to production. Right. Um, or at least in our realm of new works and like, you know, off Broadway, off, off Broadway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, wow. Broadway. Um, like everyone's and not everyone's maybe, but definitely my goal to get on Broadway and Mm -hmm. see what that's like and to see it from the director choreographer side. And here I'll just segue back really quickly to say that I didn't recognize the director part of myself fully until I was working with her. Mm. I had been given multiple opportunities with our mutual friend, Joe Barros. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. To work on. <laughs> he is definitely such a good friend, and he believes in me so much. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a lot of different uh, associate director and, like, you know, to, like, kind of spread my wings like that. But I was kind of like, I'm a choreographer. And he goes, uh-huh, but, like, this is not that far outside your realm. And he's actually the one who told me about the stage directors and choreographers observership. And so then I pushed through and and that's how you got bullets. For it, and that is how I got it. And Strowman is every inch the ideal of what a director choreographer should be. And certainly what a, um, being a woman, I'm a woman. Okay, I know this Catherine is Catherine Pettit is a woman. <laughs> and you can't see me, but <laughs> I'm not. She's all woman. I, I am a female. <laughs> And, um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't like to be defined by my gender, but in the theatrical world you are, and you have to continually bust through that glass ceiling of like people going, oh, she's a woman or, oh, she looks like she's 12 or, oh, she, okay. Mm -hmm. Like all these things and working with Stroman is like, (sighs) she doesn't have to ask for respect because she's garnered it to such a degree that people just everyone who has worked with her would work with her of course at the drop of a pin not just because oh that's broadway and that's where we want to be but because it's her Mm -hmm. and there's something to be said for that differentiation between oh i want to be on broadway so any broadway contract i'll take right and i want to work with that visionary again because she's so smart. Um, you said she's the one that made you want to think about being a director. Yeah, I mean, at the it was absolutely a lot of observerships. You will sit in the corner with your notebook and just kind of take notes, and that in and of itself is invaluable. However, in my interview, she asked me, "How do you feel about this observership being defined as much more of a hands-on experience?" on your feet, learning the choreography, assisting stage management, assisting my associate director, my associate choreographer, pretty much any, I was like, I will do anything you ask of me, period. You want me to go run to the grocery store and get Woody Allen a Snickers bar? That's fine. And I did. Is Woody Allen likes Snickers? A lot of times. (laughs) So many Snickers. Really? (laughs) So many Snickers. Um, Yeah, I would do anything, anything for this lady because she is... Um, she has no boundaries on her vision. Like, she just doesn't see anything boxed in. She doesn't look at a musical number and go, okay, that's what it should be, four by eight, or whatever. 
What's four by eight mean? I don't know. Just, okay. like, a size. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that everything has to fit in. Okay. You know, like, just, it has to fit in that little box at all. She just sees everything without limitations. And so... And so you said, I want... I said to myself, all right, all these limitations that I have put on myself to, like, stay where I think people think I should be as a woman, as just a choreographer, as just a performer, as whatever. And how many of those boundaries do you think you set yourself? So many. Everyone does. You know, you go, this is what I should be doing. And this is what people expect of me, and that's that. Right. But, um, and I feel like that's why I would run into so many frustrations in the years prior, like, in my choreographic work, and my performing work, like, I would just, like, feel like I was banging my head against a wall as a performer because I was being asked to, I was being given direction or choreography that was just not, in my estimation... <laughs> what it should be for the project like it was not elevating the piece it wasn't thoughtful it wasn't you know not across the boards but certainly the majority of the projects that I was being cast in it was kind of just like was I being inspired by these creatives not really Mm. and so then when I identified people that I was being inspired by hi Joe again (laughs) um like come on like yeah then you know you should be reaching for more Be sure to visit the Something New archives. Every interview featured is available to you for free on iTunes and JoelBNew.com, including my talk with Avital Asuline, curator of the Choreography Lab, where I met today's guest. One of the main reasons I started the lab, actually, was I was putting a piece of very narrative-driven choreography into a showcase, and the other dancers there just couldn't get over the fact that my dancers were wearing heels. And... I just was like, that's what you're focusing on? Like, I spent all this time building this piece, and you just are focused on these dancers wearing shoes. As opposed to, like, character shoes. No, 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 no. They were wearing character shoes, but as opposed to just being barefoot, being, like, modern barefoot dancers. I see. And I was like, yes, my dancers are wearing shoes, and, you know, they're not just contracting. <laughs> like, Martha Gramming and Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that was definitely like a little inspiration for me to be like, gee, I wish there was something where there were theater people watching this and they were okay with my dancers wearing shoes. Um, talk to me about I Could Never Love Anyone. Like what um what was the genesis of, of this piece? Mm-hmm. And bro- broadly speaking, what is it and when where, where yeah. did it come from? And then okay. we'll get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So I Could Never Love Anyone is a new dance theater piece. Um, it's told entirely through choreography. It's set to this incredible um, uh, British R&B artist. His name is Mr. Hudson. And his, his music is uh, influenced by Duran Duran and David Bowie. Mm. Rest in peace. Um he is an incredible artist and his musicality is such um, an inspiration to me in terms of just choreographically speaking he and I are on the same page like how movement should look and feel is what his music sounds like which is kind of neat Yeah. Um, I Can Never Love Anyone is part of a quote from Little Women 
The full quote is, I could never love anyone as much as I love my sisters. And the piece came to be because my younger sister, well, both of my sisters are younger, so <laughs> um, my younger sister has dealt with some struggles uh, with addiction, alcoholism specifically, but we've run the gamut over the years, um, uh, eating disorder, um, drugs, sex, everything that you can think of has played a part in um, probably the last decade of our lives and mm -hmm. my, my family's lives. Um, and there are just so many people out there that have that, that struggle every day. And it's so stigmatized. It's such an American epidemic. I'm not saying it doesn't exist elsewhere. It certainly does. Yeah. In America, it feels like an epidemic that no one wants to talk about at all. Do you think the epidemic, are you saying the epidemic is, is the stigma or the disease? I I couldn't say. I yeah. just know it's more prevalent it's, here. It just feels like it is. It does feel like it is. I've I've been doing a lot of research trying to find funding for the piece and for the further, you know, development of everything. Yeah. And there's so many more resources in um in England, in London, there's like a, a, you can throw a stone and like, you know, and there are some some places in America, um there's some amazing rehabilitation facilities in Texas that are actually free as they should be mm -hmm. so that we can actually help the people that need the help instead of telling them to just put the bottle down. You could, you should be able to just put the bottle down. Right. That is not, that is not helpful. <laughs> that is not actually an option. If that was an option, then they would Right. Okay. Um, so the reason the piece started is because uh, we've been through a good decade or so of this, of this back and forth, back and forth, and I could never love anyone as much as I love my sisters. So I was one of her biggest enablers, a thousand percent, and I decided, um, along with my other sister, to cut her off which meant that we were no longer speaking, we were no longer communicating in any way um, for a really long time. Uh, slowly but surely, she started writing me letters and things, but that's another story. At that time, so this was about two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, I was angry and, of course, very upset and hurt and this one song of Mr. Hudson's kept coming on my iPod and I started putting just like one eight count of movement together. Um, that's just like this heart wrenching, what I couldn't speak aloud at the time, what I'm only just now figuring out how to speak aloud, you know? Yeah. Um, into movement because that's how I know how to communicate through movement and I wanted to and it really just started out as the one piece well it, worked, it really just started out as one phrase of movement and then um, I started working on bullets over Broadway and throughout that process I was feeling my limitations kind of fall away and so then I continued to explore movement within that one piece um, and it's called there will be tears there will be No doubt there may be some 
it's just a little Sorry, it's just it's a little okay. too on the nose because <laughs> uh yeah there were and there are and thankfully not so many right now because um everybody should know right now we're we're knocking on wood and we're doing good and we're in the rehabilitation phase of everything my sister and i are talking again which is huge um the piece has grown to mean more than just my personal story with my sisters because it's such a universal kind of difficult topic for people to 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 talk about so i wanted to just put it to music just told through choreography and it's three sisters um, and then it's one dancer who embodies that mental obsession that addiction is. Um, and the piece has grown to now have three additional dancers who represent a hydra head of addiction. Wow. Yeah. Um, kind of incredibly exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. Just the the story has become that much more powerful because I, I did want to really show people why can't she just push that one guy down and put the bottle down and walk away mm-hmm. and be healthy. Okay, well, let's just bring in some more people so we can really demonstrate through the power of that many more bodies keeping her attached to whatever the addiction yeah might be she's really outnumbered yes so so what is february so february i applied to this um there's this green space in astoria astoria queens um right off of queensboro plaza it's super close to the city okay um it's called green space because the gal who owns it is named valerie green (laughs) (laughs) so it's green space awesome um it's a beautiful dance studio that she outfitted with a really cool light plot and she has this um, initiative called Take Root every month and she um, last summer started collecting submissions from choreographers around the city uh, and accepted all our work into February Lovely. which is awesome yeah, yeah so, so it's what a does great, that mean? it's a great next step for workshopping the piece because even though it's really fully grown to where I think it should probably live uh, time wise and just like yeah, yeah. material wise you see it as like an 11 number yeah I think well ele- yeah I wasn't thinking 11 too much oh. but about 40-ish minutes is pretty great because if we take it into schools which is kind of like my next idea I want to take it into like high schools and middle schools and kind of be like a working not as the DARE program obviously but kind of with them in terms of um igniting a conversation in a different way yeah that i can see that yeah you yeah. know um but we kind of have to and, and and i teach at a dance studio out in westchester and all the mothers and their students there are like great when are you going to bring it to our high school <laughs> i'm like okay guys hold on you know oh <laughs> uh, we got to do this february one for first it. yep um so we'll we'll see but yeah we've definitely we're workshopping it in february the 19th and the 20th 8 p.m. to Friday and a Saturday night. Great. Um, it's not only like <laughs> an important piece of storytelling, but I think it's it's is a beautiful way that you're telling the story. Like I've I've seen every 
version. Yes. And um, and I and I'll be so there at cool. this one as well, because um, I'm obsessed. Because uh, it's just it's just beautiful. It's really really beautiful, and it's tragic, and it's lovely, and there's so much love in it, and like there's no. You never feel like you're being preached at, and I think that's uh, another so important. T- testament <laughs> yeah. to like taking any like dialogue out of it, any mm-hmm. text yeah. that you know could go borderline platform. Yeah, and this just kind of like lets you lets you put your own words on it. Yeah, um, and Mr. Hudson's music is glorious. Yeah, um, like whenever I hear that album, which I listen to on loop most days. Yeah, um, it's you his know, straight no chaser album. So good. Um, I I feel your choreography. Like I see it. Like there are moments where I'm like, you know, there's this one, and there, you know, like there, are, <laughs> like there are moves um, that you know you don't want to see me try. <laughs> but I, I watch Casey, and I'm like, I could totally do that. I I don't think so. It's not, it's, not in jeans. I'm not. <laughs> he's in like I think he's in. No, actually, I don't think he did wear jeans. But uh, we're looking into jeggings for the rest of our Hydra head so that they can actually kick their face without. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. I'm glad because yeah, we want it to be accessible and we want people to take what they need from it. Mm-hmm. I def I want people to. Yes, it's a piece about women fighting addiction, but don't get hung up on that because it's about the feeling and the human emotions of just going through an incredibly trying time that so many so many go through. And they feel like they're alone, and it is a very lonely experience, but you don't have to feel alone because there's so many resources out there, and I'm just trying to create another one that, you know, (sighs) speaks to maybe some people who don't want to be preached at with words or a book or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. This is just a different way, and it's just, it's how I can contribute as a choreographer. That's what Mm -hmm. I how I communicate yeah so I write songs but like good theater is just good theater and it you know it it breaks my heart that it's based in truth but it also makes it that much more tangible mm-hmm. as theater so another cool thing that was brought to my attention today <laughs> is that in this in this carnation of I could never love anyone there is a um, there's a there's a bonus to this performance. Um, do you want to tell us what it is? It's a different... Well, I mean, I hope it's a bonus. Um, I think it's a bonus. I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I am a dancer. I love to dance. I have never, you know, kind of said I'm the most technically proficient, brilliant dancer on the planet or anything like that. But when it comes to commitment and passion and storytelling, um, I would say I am up there in that. So what happened is that uh, it wasn't intentional. My lead principal dancer who was playing the addict, the middle sister, um, had to bow out. Um, She's fabulous and wonderful and amazing. And I look forward to working with her again and having her dance the role again at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, So good. She's so good. (laughs) Can't stand her. Uh, (laughs) I hate her. uh, Yeah, so, right. So I had some big 
even though she's very tiny shoes to fill um and stepping in and dancing the role myself because the purpose of this workshop is not to spend all the rehearsal time teaching someone new the steps but to move the piece forward in telling the story and in deepening the connection to the emotion and to the relationships like that's the purpose Mm -hmm. of putting my work up for this particular festival so you're you're basically playing your sister that initially i mean that's the that's, first that's the first thought and right. that's the first but like kind of have to... hurdle to get past and i talked to her about it um she um you know i called her and said this is what's happening i'm going to be dancing the role i just want to give you a heads up yeah because it's kind of a big difference between <laughs> you know yeah and uh i said Yes, it's based on our personal experiences, but it's not named after us. It's not verbatim exactly what we did or anything. Um, it's evolved beyond that point. Right. You know, so... As adaptations do. Yeah. So it's become much more universal, certainly. So she's really supportive and and has said, you know, that she's really proud that I'm contributing in this way to this issue Mm -hmm. you know that she that she struggles with but that she helps other people with now too you know like that's kind of what happens is as you're healing in order to heal yourself you help others too and she is a lot (laughs) (laughs) so you know we're we're just we're um we're taking it one step at a time, and we'll kind of just see what she thinks of the whole thing when she sees awesome. it. Are you working? Um, now is the time for us to set up the song. Um, let's see. Katie was kind enough to learn and perform a new song from the Cabot Cove EP, which I wrote with her in mind. Uh, it's called Goodbye, Charlie, which, thankful, thankfully, my listeners voted, and this is one of the song <laughs> titles that they voted would become one of the five uh, songs. So, Goodbye, Charlie, um, other than being the name of a title of a book that Angela Lansbury's character wrote, <laughs> and amazing. I have no idea what the actual plot of that book is, um, it's actually, it's not even a real book, so I just took the title and I was like, what am I going to do with Goodbye, Charlie? Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So, I wanted to write a goodbye that was healthy, yeah. you know, because like, you hear Goodbye, Charlie, and you're like... Oh, are we saying goodbye to, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, right. sure. someone who's passed on, yeah. or, you know, like, who yeah. who is this? And yeah. I wanted something happier, something healthier. So I yeah. showed, uh, like, I wanted the goodbye to show signs of good things to come. Yeah. Like, so it's it's hopeful. Like, I didn't want to write a song overtly about breakups or grief. Sure. Uh, so instead I made it about a teddy bear named Charlie. And uh, Charlie the Teddy Bear represents a loss and the various ways we seek comfort after a loss. And then that turning point where the Band-Aid just falls off, Mm. you know? Yeah. And new skin is grown there and and you didn't know. Yeah. uh, Because it just happened. Um, So that's essentially what Goodbye Charlie is about. In March, we'll be starting a Kickstarter (gasps) to actually fund this album. And then hopefully in April, we'll be producing and post-producing that album yeah um yeah so stay tuned for that and enjoy katie's performance as i did (laughs) um remember this performance will be available to stream on soundcloud and on youtube 
Uh, be sure to follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Please follow my guest. Uh, she's on Instagram at KRLP Choreography. Oh, oh, I'm at, I'm at, um, what did I do? At I could never, I could never love anyone now on Instagram at I could never love anyone. Okay. Awesome. Instagram. <laughs> to make it a little more kind of cohesive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could never love anyone on Instagram. Do yeah. it. I'm probably already following you. <laughs> go, go to um, go to Catherine Pettit for all things Catherine Pettit. Remember, yeah. that's Catherine with an A. <laughs> uh, subscribe to, rate, review this podcast. Tell your friends all about it. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Stephanie Layton, Peyton Royal, Joel Dickinson, um, the Murder We Spoke podcast for giving me so many shout outs. Um, I love the people at Murder We Spoke. If you love, if you love Murder She Wrote as much as I do, and I know oh that you gosh. do, you need to subscribe to Murder We Spoke because they are a delightful crew. Um, also, uh, an enormous abundance of thanks to the Dramatist Guild Fund for hosting us today in this beautiful space. Uh, please check them out, dgfund.org. Um, and last but not least, Katie Pettit, thank you for being on my show today. Thanks for having me, Joel. It was really fun to talk to you and get to know more about your past and yeah. your future. Yeah. Um, so, um, so on that note, from the Music Hall at DGF, this is Joel B. New. And Katie Pettit. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. 